Welcome to the Coaching by Bell podcast, the podcast where each episode we feature women entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders in business. The podcast showcases a variety of interviews, coaching style conversations, and live coaching sessions. I am your host, Isabel Hertz. I am a business coach integrating past and present, bridging old stories with new intentions. I help people hear between the lines of their story, tap into insights, inner wisdom, and opportunities to hear their own voice as a means for change. Let's get listening. Hi, Roxana. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's begin with your inspiration for starting your business and doing the work that you do. So I will have to say that my inspiration came a little later. I first jumped into business, part circumstance, part need. And I will say the circumstance part was me having moved to the U.S. in 2006, not being able to work at that time legally because of my visa status, and then the 2008 recession coming up which meant that nobody was hiring at that time. So given those circumstances, I sort of moved into freelance writing and editing, which is what I do now. The need came from, well, finding something to do that would help pay the bills. And I automatically defaulted to what I enjoy doing, which is working with words, telling stories, interviewing people, covering events, having new experiences and sharing that with an audience. And I do that best with a written word. So that need sort of came into play. So Putting those together is where the inspiration for the business came along. And once I realized that I could find the clients in the market for it, because those are very important parts of the business, then it came to be that I was able to take the business from there and move on forward. And of course, over time, I've built those relationships, you know, built on better clients, better projects, better pay, better fees, better working lifestyle. And it's grown from there. But that sort of was the so-called inspiration is where it, it kind of came up from. Mm. What keeps you inspired today to continue to write now that you don't have to, quote unquote, do it? What keeps you inspired to continue the journey of supporting people with writing and content? So there's two parts to that again. One is, of course, the self-satisfaction that I get from the variety of work that I do. So there's never saying what a day will turn out to be. I do anything from writing blogs to interviewing someone for an article to doing a podcast to you know editing someone else's story. So I love that I do a couple of different things a day and I work across different industries. So within a day, I could be doing anything from construction to education to diversity to travel and lifestyle. And the amount of learning and reading that happens as part of that, it gives me immense joy, honestly, just to learn these things that I would never do, I guess, just out of my own interest. It would it would never occur to me to spend my time doing that. But I do that as part of the job now. And I, I love that I get to learn so much. And then the second part is honestly being able to tell stories of the people that I meet and the folks that I interview. And I think just the inspiration that I find there, the journeys that people have taken professionally, personally, in whatever field they've chosen to excel in, and then being able to share that with an audience. And that changes over time, depending on the outlet, the region you're writing for, the industries you write for. And so I think that gives me the motivation and the drive to continue to do that. It sounds like there's a huge element of learning in 
what you're doing every single day that you're taking a skill that you have, but in the process, you really get to kind of transform yourself because it's so varied and there's so many different types of people or different organizations that you get to work with. That's very true. And there's that constant work that you do on yourself and constant like improvement and knowledge building that happens as a part of that, that I really do enjoy. Yeah. What kind of activities or what kind of things keep you engaged or in touch with yourself when you're going in your day-to-day life? Activities. I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of puzzles, crosswords, coloring. I'm the person that will get up in the morning and do a crossword because that puts me in the mood for the day. So that's sort of my thing. Yeah. Little word puzzles. I enjoyed those. I do a lot of coloring. I of course do a lot of reading. Mostly it will be things that have to do with business development and anything to do with, you know, entrepreneurship. I love a lot of that kind of reading, but I also do enjoy travel. And even though that happens to be part of what I do for work, even though I'm a travel journalist, I do enjoy travel on a personal basis as well. What you just listed is sort of a combination of personal development, reflection, and play. You do a crossword puzzle, there's some playing involved, and there's some lightness in how you even just said it, that you you have to kind of keep that lightness in order to just try, right? I mean, crossword puzzles are really hard, but you have to kind of be okay with not figuring it out right away too, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them will take me days on end, but that's similar to working on a project, right? It's like putting those puzzle pieces together and figuring out how your story lays itself out. And so I feel like there's some of that I get to transfer from what I'm doing for fun to what I do for work and back again. Yeah. I see that direct translation. And I actually think that's such an important learning piece for individuals who are who are running their own business is it to see them as one in the same because it is that play that fun that self-reflection that you're talking about that then gets you in the mood and gets you primed to do the work that you do and it is really that fluidity between the so-called personal and professional life as an entrepreneur that I think is really important so it's cool to hear you kind of outline that and lay that out a little more. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So can you give a little more context to what you do? You've alluded to it, you know, the different places that you kind of play in, but just as a, as an example, so listeners can hear more specifically what it is to help understand the context a little more. Sure. So as part of my business with writing and editing, I primarily work with two sets of types of clients. One is more media outlets and that can be online and print. It can be you know, travel stories that I've experienced and writing in my words, or it can be interviews I'm doing with folks that are from the industry and then sharing their experiences and their words. On the other hand, I also work with another set of clients, which is more corporate. So that's small businesses or medium to large size businesses as well, but they're more industries. So it would be more business to business content, education, construction, diversity. Those are some of the industries I've worked with. And there it's more companies that are looking for, you know, blog posts on trending topics in the industry. So I'll work with someone from their marketing team to put together that content for them. It could be editing newsletters or minutes of the meeting that they've had for their quarterly meetings that I could be doing edits of. So it covers really broad range of products, different products that I can work on that sort of all come under the marketing communications umbrella, so to speak. So yeah, that would be some of the work that I do. Really cool. And do you work mostly with small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses, or a little bit of all? A little bit of all. I tend to be 
primarily small to medium size. I do end up having a couple of large size clients that will come in once or twice a year. They will have very specific projects I usually work on, you know, like a chunk of marketing that they want to do or the specific campaign and all of the copy editing with all of the content they're putting out related to that. So it usually comes in sort of these ebbs and flows when it comes to the larger companies. But yeah, the majority of it tends to be the small, medium-sized businesses. Yeah. I imagine in that space of the work that you do, that that play and creativity that you've been talking about comes out more in those small and medium-sized businesses anyways, because projects aren't so defined. So you can explore (laughs) a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. And there's definitely a lot more, I feel, collaboration and partnership that happens at that level, as opposed to larger companies where they come with sort of, you know, specific guidelines of how they want something to look and feel. And you are sort of the person being delegated to do that work for them. On the other hand, it's more of a sort of like a, I would say an equal footing when it comes to small, medium-sized businesses, because they have ideas, but not necessarily a broad like framework that they want it in. And then you come in with your ideas and then it's sort of like this give and take of how can we put this together that best works for the goal that we're trying to achieve. So there's that play that happens there that I definitely enjoy. When you started your business, how did you grow the seed of this idea of working with these types of companies and getting your name out there? For me, what worked really well was one, networking, heavy networking. And this is the before times. So when we could actually meet in person, (laughs) this was a few years ago. So I did put a lot of time into networking with local community groups, you know, chamber of commerce, any women's leadership groups or entrepreneurship groups. I tried to make sure that I was a part of that sort of community and went out and networked with a lot of folks. The reason I had to do that and I felt was necessary for me to do that was that I moved from India to the U.S. in 2006, as I talked about it. And so I did not have any prior educational or work experience in the country. So for a lot of folks, looking at my resume was very difficult for them to relate to the experience I had on there on paper until they met me. And then they realized that, okay, this person can actually work on the kinds of projects that we have. So they needed sort of that personal element of me coming in and saying, this is my experience, because they couldn't figure that out from what was on paper, which is just, you know, two lines to what my education was and two lines to what my prior work experience was outside of the country. So for me, networking was a big part of it. And I would say the other big part that I've found a lot of success with is letters of introduction. We call them LOIs in the freelance world. And I did a lot of those initially starting out. And I would essentially find, you know, PR firms to introduce myself to for story ideas or sources. I would find local outlets, community journals, online blogs, editors that I would reach out to and just introduce myself with no other intention, not to pitch an idea, not to ask for, but just to say, hey, this is me. This is the work I've done. This is my website. If there's ever an opportunity for us to collaborate. I would love to be the person that you think of. And that was it. And honestly, those two together, I think just a mix of both of them within sort of this specific area. At that time I lived in Atlanta. So in that, within that city, I think just put the word of mouth around in action quite a bit. And so it was, it really built up to where I was able to get people come back and want to work with me or offer an introduction to someone that they knew needed a copy person or an editor. And it's sort of built up from there, honestly. A lot of it was just introductions and networking. 
And today, fast forward, you know, several years later, are you still using those same practices? Of course, networking might look a little different these days, but are you still using those same practices as the continued growth of your business? Or have you noticed a shift since you've evolved over the past few years? I will definitely say that I continue to do the networking online and I use LinkedIn quite a bit for that. In fact, LinkedIn is my first platform to connect with anyone professionally. If there is anybody that I find that that's interesting that I want to collaborate with, or, you know, if I see a company put a job posting that maybe I'm not interested in that, but I would like to offer my services. I try to find the hiring manager, introduce myself to them. So I still do a lot of networking online and that can still be very personal as we figured out in the last two years. You can still set up a time for a Zoom call and make an introduction and do a, you know, like a desk site and see if that partnership can grow from there. I still do letters of introduction. I am a bit more focused in my approach in that I've started doing a lot more work in the B2B space. So in the trade publications and the corporate publications. And I find I do that more because one, the work is guaranteed for a certain duration of time, which is great to have that, knowing that that income is coming in. And two, they do pay very well. And so you do want to grow your, if you do want to grow your business and, you know, put in lesser hours, more money for the effort. I think for me, that area of work is more in the B2B side. So I've started focusing more on that. It's exciting to see that shifting in Mm -hmm your work, I imagine, to kind of go, oh, wow, okay, this area is really fruitful and I'm going to grow in this space or I'm going to focus in this area. It doesn't mean the other areas don't exist, but it's just a way to probably focus your efforts a little bit more too. Absolutely. And I have to tell you that, honestly, I did not know that working for trade publications could be lucrative. It was an area that I chanced upon entirely, not that it did not exist. It totally existed. I just happened to chance upon it completely by accident in the sense that a friend once talked about, oh, I have this advertorial little gig that I need someone for. And, you know, it was like, what is an advertorial? And she introduced me to, you know, sponsored content that happens in a consumer publication. But that's, you know, it's done for a corporate client that wants their piece in a consumer outlet. That was the first time I realized that, oh, (laughs) they don't use their own staff for this. They actually hire freelancers for this. And then I started, you know, exploring, well, where else can I do this kind of work? What are the other outlets that hire people to do writing for them? What are the other companies? There are custom publishing companies which will work with freelancers and they put out a multitude of titles and you could be working as a freelancer on any of those. And that could cover a bunch of different industries. Had no idea. So these are things I learned in the process of, you know, that networking and the introductions where someone mentioned something to me and I was able to then take it and then see if I can apply that elsewhere. So definitely helpful to be able to learn that on the job. Um, Wish someone had told me that before so I knew where to focus my efforts on, but I'm glad I learned about that avenue. And it's one that's worked well for me. So I I continue to pursue work in that. So much of what you're talking about is everything is learning oriented because of the curiosity that I see you demonstrating, you know, following, oh, this thing works, I'm going to try more of it. Or I noticed this opportunity, I'm going to explore more about it. And it seems like that's been a critical component of how you've really grown 
your business from the ground up from literally a seed yes. into into a flower <laughs> or <Absolutely>. a garden. <laughs> yes. It's a perfect segue. I'd love to know what you would share with other people who are starting because you have such a a unique story of moving and really just starting from scratch that there's probably so many rich learning lessons that you could impart to others who want to do whatever it is they want to, whatever venture they want to do. So I'd love to know a little bit about what you would want to say to someone. If someone was just starting out today, what would you tell them? And I'm going to think of that as in my head, what I would tell myself if I was starting out, the things that I wish people had told me. I think the first and foremost is find the right people to to move along with, right? And by that, I don't mean just show up at places and expect that something's going to happen. It doesn't work that way. But try to find the right avenues for you to then pursue whatever it is you're trying to do, right? So for me, that was finding the journalism organizations, the women's business organizations, the local chamber of commerce groups, and then trying to introduce myself there and see well, what kind of work can I get from working with these folks, right? What were they looking for? Does anyone have any issues with their content creation or copy or any of their editorial that I can help with? And, you know, trying to learn from them as well, because they've been around longer than I had at that point. I, I was new to the city. So learning from them to see, okay, where are they looking for business? You know, who do they interact with? Or where are they looking for proposals for work? And I think if someone had, had just pointed out to me, these are the places that you could go to, that would have been so helpful instead of me having to figure that out on my own, which was a few months down the line that, you know, I, I realized that, okay, these are the right avenues for me to be interacting. So I wish someone had told me that. So I think that's the first one I would definitely ask people to consider. And I think the second is have some idea of what you're doing, but don't be married to it because there's going to be a lot of fine tuning and course correction that happens. And even today, what I do 20 years in I'm still doing a lot of course correction. A lot of times I'll think that this is exactly how A is, is the way I want to go. And then I'll realize that, no, there's A part one, A part B, A part C, <laughs> you know, it goes on. So there's a lot of little things that you might want to fine tune along the way that you might miss out on if you're really married to this idea of this is exactly what I'm going to do. And that is exactly how I'm going to look at this. So I would ask people to be a bit more open to the idea that their plans might change a little bit. So the overall dream can be great, but I think how you get there is going to be a little different from what you might have imagined. It's that flexibility, that agility to see what arises rather than to be fixed on it looking one particular way. Yeah, because then you're missing out on all these other great opportunities that you probably were great for working on it, but you just didn't want to look at that as a chance to do anything. So. Yeah, I love that because I think that it's so easy to get really fixated on this one vision or this one way of going about things. And then, you know, maybe right beside you, there's this really cool opportunity, but you're not even thinking about that because it's this one other thing that you're looking at. So I think that's really cool to consider. Well, let's fast forward to today present day, what's something that is challenging for you? What's something that you're facing ahead? And that's a very good question because that's something I've been pondering about, I would say for the last quarter of the year, I usually start winding down business a little bit towards the last quarter. And then I spend the last month of the year planning for the next year. And one thing I, I turned 40 last year. So the one thing that hit me big time was 
okay, in 10 years, I will be 50. I currently have the nature of my business is such that I am heavily involved in it. I am the interviewer. I'm the writer. I'm the editor. I need to be there. And if I took myself out of it, my business kind of wouldn't really function on its own. But I don't want to be working the same number of hours when I'm 50 plus. And so I'm starting to think of now what I can implement in the next 10 years, where at the time that I'm 50, I'm not as actively required to be involved in my business. I still want to work. I don't want to be retired at 50. I want to still be very active, but not to the same like effort that's required right now. I currently work, my weekly hours can be anywhere between 25 to 40 or more sometimes, depending on you know if it's a rush job or a major client that needs me to do the overtime. And I have that flexibility now, but I don't want to be doing that when I'm 10 years down the line. And so I'm trying to think of what avenues I have to explore or ways that I can ensure that I'm building products outside of the services I have right now that will continue to bring that income that I will not have to be actively you know, involved with them at that time. And so, I mean, some of the ideas, and this is, I'm part of a mastermind group and I've had people give me ideas of what I can do with that. And I've heard everything from, you know, writing a book to putting together a course on sort of how I worked on it, my networking and introductions and teaching others to do that, especially, you know, women of color, because we, we don't necessarily have that training. And then, you know, how to do better in freelancing. Those are things that people have asked me to think about. And so I'm trying to decide which way I want to go or if there are multiple ways I should be going. And I'm sort of in that phase of, because all of that is still going to require a lot of work up front for me to set it up to be successful in the future. So I'm trying to figure out where I want to put my energies right now and which of those sort of products will be you know, the best for me to move forward on. So that's where I'm at, I'm at right now. First thing that I heard you sort of allude to a little bit is this product versus service. So you are a service business. And let's be clear first to start, do you have 100% certainty that this next thing you create is going to be a product? Or are you still thinking it could be product or service to have that growth, continued growth in your business, but not necessarily having to work 40 hours to get that? I feel it would be a mix. I, I don't think it would be only product-based, but I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Let's explore them as two separate ideas first, not to say that they won't maybe become one and the same, but I think that the sort of train of thought here is better focused in those areas. So which one feels more like a priority to explore, or maybe even just the one that might be a little easier to kind of explore a little bit and then set down to come back to the other one? (laughs) The product side of things. Is that easier to explore or easier to kind of check off and then look at the service piece? I feel, yeah, I feel that might be easier for me to check off. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, let's start there then. So when you think about all the different possible products that you can create, it sounds like you've made quite a map of all of the different ones so far. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Is there any particular one that you've come back to over and over and over again? Yes. It's the course on introductions and networking. I've sort of had that idea a few years ago, put it out because I didn't feel like I want it to be 
on camera teaching something to someone. And I've also told myself over time that I'm a words person. So I like to write, but not to speak the words or that's, but I've over the last year or two, I've had a lot more people let me know. And the feedback that I've received is that I could possibly do some sort of a course that where I'm not, you know, I'm not the face on the screen all the time. There's other ways to fill in the space with your notes and, you know, other presentations. And so I started giving that more thought. And then I've had, again, the mastermind group that I had came back with that same sort of feedback again was, I do tend to share a lot about networking, introductions, LinkedIn, freelancing, you know, it all kind of comes down together. And I did at one point last year at the height of the pandemic, put down sort of my thoughts on the topics or like what my broad framework would be and did make some like sort of headway with that. But then work sort of came in the way of it. And then that kind of went on to the side. And then it resurfaced in December when I was planning for the future of my business again. So I feel like that one's there. It's one that I keep revisiting. I haven't put myself down and worked on it. What is interesting about you sharing this is that I observe that you keep coming back to it, but there's sort of like a wall that you're hitting up against. It's almost like you're running and then all of a sudden you're, this is the image that comes up for me is that you're running and then all of a sudden you hit a wall and then you just turn around the other way and run back the other way. So what I'm really curious about is when you get to that point where the wall is and the wall may not be at a fixed place, it may be kind of ever shifting depending on when you're picking up this project. But what is the thought or the experience that comes up for you when you get to that wall that prevents you from going to the next step or opening the door, if we keep with the metaphor? <laughs> it's happened for different reasons, right? It's over time, it's either work has come in the way or I've had some other, but it's always been something else is more important than this. So this can stay, I will revisit it when I need to, but I feel like that urgency to revisit it has come up a lot more just in the last year, sort of doing the 10-year plan for business and trying to see how to scale it or how to sustain it without me being so active in it. So previously, the purpose for why you would even create this course, it sounds like maybe wasn't totally clear inside of you. So of course, the work that you have at hand gets prioritized over putting this course together. That makes a lot of sense. So now today, present day, you had the last month to reflect on it. Do you feel more aligned to the purpose of doing this course now that you're really sitting with the next 10 years? Or does that still feel a little bit fuzzy to you? I feel like I understand the why more. I'm more driven to want to do it. The big picture of what the work will entail is overwhelming (laughs) in having to put that together. And I know that even just my working thoughts that I have this document where I put all, you know, sort of my ideas and what the different chapters will be, just putting my thoughts there. I just go back and visit it whenever I, I want to. It's not something that's concrete. It's just a running sort of dump of everything that I think of whenever I think of it. And just the idea that I have pages on pages of that. Sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want this right now. (laughs) And then I'll turn. But then I feel like the need for it is constantly like keeps coming back to me, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So you're much more clear on the purpose of why you're doing it. And present day, you don't sound like you have a disconnect between why you would want to do it and how it helps your big why or your big 10-year goal. What it sounds like now you're coming up against is keeping that motivation to work on it because now that you really see the task at hand, it seems like it's a little bit big. Like it's a little too, too scary almost. No, to, really big, not little. Yeah. Really big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very big. I was trying yes. to down, downplay it a little bit for your, so the way that your psyche heard it was a little, a little less uh, intense, but um, yeah. So a big lofty goal ahead of you from that, the immediate question that came up for me is what is your relationship with structure in your life? I will use it for direction but I am not necessarily tied to what I lay down. And the very simple example I can give you is I will create a schedule for myself every day from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. because that's when I wake up and when I go to bed. But that's not to say that everything on the schedule gets done, but it gives me a framework of these are the things I want to get done today. And I'll try to get at least the majority of that accomplished. And do you benefit from that? having that 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. structure for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you use structure to support your overall intentions for your life and for your business with knowing, keeping what we have talked about in this call previously today is, is flexibility, keeping that flexibility alive. So how might you apply that same practice to this very large project (laughs) because life is even larger than this one project, right? And it's working for you to have this structure for your days, your life. How could you take the same practices and principles and apply it to this one piece of your life? So I feel like I might have made a little bit of a start in the right direction on that in that I've signed up for sort of like an accountability partner in course creation. So we we are actually going to have our first meeting this week. And I felt like that might give me some accountability and structure toward starting the work on it. And that's not to say I'm starting from scratch. I have this huge document I've just been building up on, but then to be able to have someone to sound off those ideas and see what structure that will then take and keeping me sort of accountable and responsible for moving that forward is where I started that, wanting to do that. So I think that's a good first step. And I'm hoping that by the end of the year, and I'm giving myself enough time because I don't want to rush myself into this and then wonder what I did with everything. But I'm hoping by the end of the year, that will help me having someone that I'm accountable to will then help me put down the structure of what this course will look like. And then actually building it will be a whole other step. But for now, I just want it to sort of lay itself out and be streamlined in that way. Yeah. So accountability is one big piece that you're talking about. In that, what is standing out to me is that you may be, and and tell me if I'm not correct here, but you may be someone who really benefits from collaboration and not only just talking it out from accountability perspective, but from general collaboration. Is that that true? That is true. Yes. Yes. So then if you're creating a course that you're designing and you're putting together and you're going to potentially deliver, it seems like it would be important for that course to, at the core of what you're creating, 
have more opportunities for collaboration built into it. I can see that. What I'm seeing here is that the very thing that got you to start to work on this process more is accountability with another person. Yeah. And accountability, of course, is it creates accountability with yourself, but it's that what you said, it's also talking it out. It's not just, hey, we're checking in on Thursday morning at 10. It's we're going to check in. We're going to talk about ideas. We're going to work through them. And you said that your group that you're a part of has been very helpful as well. And it seems like if you take that process and you look at who you are and, and maybe how you flourish, that maybe it would be helpful for the course itself to be something that is in collaboration with someone or that is delivered with someone or that it has that component where you do the course and then you can talk about it. So it's not just creating it that has that accountability and conversation. It's the actual product that includes that in some way. I can see that. Do you think that that would be helpful? Does that give you energy thinking about it like that? Yes, <laughs> that yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then you also mentioned at the beginning of this that you weren't sure that you wanted to be the person to deliver it 100% of the time. So it seems like if you put these ideas together, then maybe the place to put someone to sort of work with someone is to say, I'm really interested in designing this content and, and I have these ideas, but I want to get someone who's like an idea partner or a thought partner, as well as someone who then understands it well enough to help delivery or help facilitate the process or who's there for the process or some component of that piece of it. That probably will be the direction I end up taking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but I can definitely see that being what I would need because I, I don't think it's something I would enjoy doing just all by myself. Just the kind of undertaking that it is. It's it's not the same as just doing an article, you know? It seems like when the project becomes bigger, the collaboration piece becomes even more important. More important. You. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And I think it would be nice to have a couple of folks to partner with on, on something that is going to be a big part of, you know, what I do for the future. Well, and then this feeds into a little bit of the service component of your business. Because if you're creating a product that's a course, the course itself has, it sounds like we'll have some service component to it. And so maybe there's an opportunity to have that delivery or a good portion of the delivery with someone who then frees up your time to continue working on other projects with your clients or just maybe doing an extra crossword every day or something fun like that. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. In a way, they're kind of one and the same. Now that we're talking about it more, it seems like the product and the service is a whole. Have you ever considered having an additional person on your team? You know, having another writer or having another presenter or some other function? So strictly speaking, in terms of creating this course... Generally speaking, is what I was thinking. I do have right now with my business, I definitely do have someone that helps with... I have two interns that work with me. So I have one that helps with me doing some of my editorial work. So, you know, research or, you know, reaching out for sources or pictures or any of that. So she kind of takes care of that. And then I do have someone that helps me a little bit with sort of design and graphics and that kind of work um, as well. So I do have someone that I'm able to delegate things that I don't want to spend time doing. 
that are, you know, important for me, but I really want to focus on the writing aspect of things. And I do know that in terms of the course content, I did think of bringing them on to help me sort of streamline some of my thoughts and then help with designing what the course looks like. So they will definitely be playing a part in that when I do come to that point. And so you already have applied that to the practice of your business as a whole. And so then taking that into the practices of this course, it sounds like will be very helpful to keeping the energy going, really. Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah. And I think that's part of just sort of the freelancing lifestyle that comes back into becoming a business owner, right? Is It is a very lonely existence when you're working by yourself all the time. So it's nice to have a little group of people that you can, you know, collaborate with or shoot ideas at or get feedback from whatever it is. So I do think that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really comes back to motivations in what you just said. You're able to work alone and you're doing the the world of freelance and, and you figured it out and it's been successful, but ultimately what are you motivated by and what keeps you going on a day-to-day basis. And when we started the conversation, you said you really love helping your clients and you just get this deep satisfaction from it. And so how could you get that same deep satisfaction? What are the elements that are needed to get that from this course? A large part of that will be the interaction that I have in creating the course, but also the interaction from folks that would be at the user end of it and getting that feedback would be important for me too. I think so. I think that would be important for me. That's an interesting thing to say, because then how might you set up even the process of creating this course so that you get some feedback immediately? So it's not going into a little vault of work and not getting that interaction with the people who you're trying to serve in the first place. Yeah. So there are, and again, this is something that I still have to do a lot of homework on. So there are a couple of different platforms that are set up for you to create your course content and deliver it on them. And there you do have opportunity for you to sort of build your community and hear back from folks that do purchase the course. So I think one of those might be where I initially start out with putting this course, but I still have to figure out which one. There are a couple out there and I do need to see which one would be a good choice in terms of the sort of interactivity that I'm looking for, but also the resources that I have to put into putting that course on there and making it available to others. But I do know that that's an option and it is available as part of the features of that platform. And do you think that that would help you in the process of creating it if you had that feedback from others? I think so, yes. I think having the opportunity to sort of fine tune and tweak parts of the course as I go along Because again, this will be the first time I'll be doing something like that. And I think it'll be nice to have feedback, just knowing as I go along, if I can, if there are avenues to fine tune and there there is something that I can do, then I think I would like to have the opportunity to do that. And I think having feedback along the way would be great. That interaction would be great. Yeah. With the elements of collaboration and feedback primarily being the two things we've explored, would that change your overall relationship with this challenge. It would definitely help motivate me to move on with with the idea, I hope. Yes. (laughs) Well, does any part of it still feel sticky? Does any part of it still feel like, "Mm, I'm not sure this is the way I'm going to grow my business over the next 10 years or that I could stick to this goal? I feel I can stick to the goal. I think what I'm unsure about is more the logistics of it. And I think that's something I will learn over 
the process of putting this together. So sort of like having the big picture, I know that, yes, this, this is a possibility and I can work on it, but not knowing the smaller steps towards it. And I think that's part of the learning curve that I'll have to go through to be able to bring that to fruition. But yes, I, I definitely know that that's something I want to work on. Is there a way that you could use the skills that you have of networking and connecting with people to help create a little bit more clarity on those steps so it doesn't feel so ambiguous? Yeah. So there are, again, yes. So I did reach out to a few folks that have created their own courses over the next few weeks to really learn what their backend process was. One of the things I do want to know is what did they wish they knew before they started out this, right? Like that's something that if I can learn from their mistakes, I would, I would love that <laughs> one less step. And then, you know, learning about the delivery and sort of the closing the feedback loop. Those are sort of the three areas that I do want to hear from them on. So I've reached out to a few people that have either created courses or someone that knows another person that has. And I've got a few of those interviews that I want to do more like informational interviews that I want to do over the next few weeks to get started. And that's sort of one of the things that my accountability partner and I will be discussing is really just how many people are we talking to? What are you going to you know, learn from them or what, what can I come back with? So then I'm going to discuss that with them. That's sort of the first step. And would that help with that process uncertainty? Yes, I think so. I think just knowing that, I mean, I know other people have done that successfully, but knowing someone personally and having them as a resource for me to at least check in with, to know that I'm going the right direction or, you know, I've covered my bases as far as setting up something or how I move forward with a course. I think that would be helpful to have. It's accountability in another form because not only accountability, but it also gives you relatability to know that it's, you're not alone in the process of creating something very big. That would be very helpful. Yeah. It's interesting as you were talking about this, this is a little bit of an aside here, but as you were talking about this, I was thinking that the content that you create for this course, as you do these informational interviews, you could record the informational interviews as a part of your initial content that you create. Because what you're learning in the process is how to create online content, which is just another part of the content that you can offer people that you've learned along the way. (laughs) Oh, you just made this project much bigger than it was. (laughs) Or maybe this is the first step that gives you the motivation So it's collaboration, it's accountability with people, and it's learning, which are three of really, really three, the foundational elements that we've been talking about this whole time. And so if you take those interviews and you use the content, maybe even as a first small book, like a mini ebook or a free download or something that, because you're going to learn this whole time and those lessons will probably be invaluable to anyone who wants to create any sort of online content right. for people. Yeah, that is true. And that is what it sounds like you want to share with people is the things that you've learned along the way to help make it maybe a smoother transition for their... I will add that to my notes now. Yeah. <laughs> right after we're done with this call, I'm going to open up my master document and start typing out notes on there. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, take it or leave it. It's a little bit of a, an aside, like I said, but it seems but still- like it could be that small motivator. Like you finish these interviews and you know you have something right away that you can create. And that feeling of with motivation 
that feeling of momentum by creating small wins along the way is what really gets people through big projects, right? And so that could be a really easy way to have that win for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. That is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Does it feel more clear? Is there anything that still feels sticky for you about your current challenge? No, I think that that I actually enjoyed that chat. That was very good for me to sort of peel off a few layers to think about that a little bit. Because again, even this conversation has been a conversation with myself and my laptop, <laughs> but not another person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So even this conversation is great to have because it helped bring clarity to a couple of things and what my next steps would be and giving me some more ideas on what I want to do. So definitely helpful. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. If you feel more clarity, then that's wonderful. And we will wrap the conversation up from there. So thank you so much for being here. And it was such a pleasure to hear more about your journey and, and walk through what you're going through today. Thank you so much. I, I love sharing and uh, I love that conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You're welcome. We appreciate you tuning into the Coaching by Bell podcast, created and hosted by Isabel Hertz Coaching. This podcast is made possible by the support of our listeners, community, and guests. To learn more about how to donate or to contact us about guest suggestions or anything else, head over to www.isabelhertz.com. That is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-T-Z.com. Every story shared has the possibility to unlock greater potential. Coaching by Bell does this one story at a time. Thanks for listening.